Welcome to Sports BKC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. It's Tuesday, June 14th. Happy Flag Day. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The problems with Royals pitching dominates our conversation with star columnists Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell. The show started as a Sports Beat Live. We got into the team's first inning woes, its inability to throw strikes and to strike out hitters, added up and the Royals have some of baseball's worst pitching numbers. But not everything's a disaster. The Royals are hitting better of late. They recently scored at least seven runs in three straight games for the first time since 2019, and we talk about why that's happened. So let's get started talking Royals. Good morning from sunny and warm. Kansas City. Welcome to Sports Beat Live, our weekly conversation and therapy session about the Kansas City Royals. We are talking Royals with the folks who know them best, and today that is Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell. We are in, as Vahe likes to say, missing man formation. We don't have Lynn Worthy. He had travel issues getting out to San Francisco yesterday. He's winging his way there now. I'm Blair Kirkhoff, and Forgive the little froggy voice that I have this morning. So, hey, we're sponsored by the University of Kansas Health System, and this show is also all about you. So send us your questions and comments as we talk about the Royals. And, and as I said, the Royals are in San Francisco. Uh, where else are the Royals now? Well, they're in last place uh, in the American League Central. Um, and not just in last place, but owners of the worst record in baseball, a nice even number for them. They've played 60 games. They're 20 and 40. Last night's 6-2 loss at San Francisco. So how do they get there? Well, recently it's been about the pitching. And Sam, I know that you have written about this. Uh, you know, the, the, the struggles have, you know, they've been with the starters, been with the bullpen, but one thing that's common to you know to the Royals this year has been their their, their early problems. They they they've had all kinds of issues in the first inning, often find themselves trailing and, and playing catch up. But um, you know, what what are some of the numbers and some of the problems the Royals have had just getting a good start in these games? Yeah, I mean Blair, you said it, but um, they're historically bad in in the first inning. You know. They have a 7.32 ERA in the first inning. Uh, this is before Brady Singer did throw a zero last night. Um, but that that's the worst numbers of, of any team since 2006 in the first inning. And the two teams that have, were worse, there were two teams actually worse than them in 2006, but the worst one was 7.39. So as I phrased in the column, I mean, the Royals are in the race. The, you know, they, they, still got, they still got time to play catch up there. But it does come back to what you said, Blair, about throwing strikes. Um, when you look at it, you know, Brady Singer's the exception, the only outlier to, to these stats because he's now thrown six starts and not given up a run in the first inning. When you look at it, there's a pretty easy correlation to find. Brady Singer has not walked anybody in the first inning. The remainder of the Royals staff has walked 28 guys in 54 innings, 54 first innings. And when you – Average that out to the per nine innings, and I understand it's only first innings, so you don't really do it per nine innings. But just for comparison's sake, you know, it's 4.7 walks per nine innings. The worst team in baseball this year, by a large margin, is, is the Reds. The 
Royal Reds and Royals are at like four point one or nine innings. So they're walking considerably more in the first inning than anybody else is in baseball over the course of, of a game. And by the way, they're also when they when the other teams put it in play, three oh seven. Uh, average a nearly 1,000 OPS. Their slugging percentage is 570, which is like I, I also phrased in the call. There's only seven hitters in all of baseball that have a better slugging percentage than that. So it's like the Royals are facing or turning other hitters into the eighth best hitter in baseball every <laughs> single plate appearance in the first inning. Tough to win games uh, like that. You mentioned you mentioned Brady Singer. Of course, he got the start last night and got through a couple innings. It looked great. Got two outs in the third, and then, and then lost it. Just, just totally lost it. Walked four in a row. Walked in two runs, and you know the Royals went on to you know had the, the Royals had given him two runs to work with in that, you know, in the third inning, and, uh, and and Singer gave it right back, and the Royals went on to lose that game six to two. Um, and and I know this doesn't fall under the first inning category, but just based on balls in general and how they've been tormenting the Royals pitching staff this year, they walked nine and matched a season high nine in last night's loss and uh, bullpen walked four and singer walked five. And as you said, Sam hadn't, you know, had given up only four base on balls all year. So it's contagious, I guess, um, you know, the, the walks are killing them. You know, Brad Keller just got just just got lit up on in, in Sunday's game, and uh, it was like your your neck got sore watching you know balls fly over the fence. Um, it is I, I, all these numbers are coming into my head. That's why I'm I'm hesitating. The Royals bullpen leads baseball in walks, and they're on pace to set a record for most walks by a bullpen. This year, I heard Ryan Lefevre say that last night. So, uh, it just—it's it, just, just so maddening and frustrating. And and Vahe, I—I don't—I I don't know what else can be said about this. But pitching staff has just been struggling mightily here in the last few all season, but especially recently. Well, there's so much going on here, Blair. And first of all, just Sam McDowell once again using the term historically. Uh, we're finding that to be the case on a lot of these things. Um, I'm suddenly reminded of the movie, I think it was The Jerk, uh, some other Steve Martin movie where he's uh, trying to decide whether it's okay for him to go date again after his wife has died. And he looks at a, a picture of her and asks if it's okay, show me a sign, any sign. The entire house falls down around him, everything's shaking, she's screaming. And it all shakes to the ground. He goes, just show me a sign, any sign. <laughs> and I, I think the reason I bring this up is I think we, we can conclude that, that there really is a problem with the pitching. Um, what, what Sam has done the last week or so, I think has been um, really great data breakdown as we kind of keep trying to peel back the onion on, on the core of what the problem is. But Sam studied this last week just with the, the instance of, how people were, how pitchers were doing in their first, second, and third uh, appearances after coming back from Omaha. That was interesting data. Breaking down, it was very smart and um, I think astute to break down these first inning runs the way you did. And it's a little bit of a metaphor for the whole season. I mean, they're basically done before the games, they're even really out of the box. 
this is a team that is, I think this was the right stat. Sam, I, it was in your column. I think you cited Josh Vernier. Uh, Royals are 0-30 when they trail by three or more. So they're getting behind. Uh, they're not recovering. And that's how you have a 20-40 and 40 record. 0-31 uh, after last night. Oh, yeah, that's right. But <laughs> I you know, the walks thing, the reason it's particularly maddening is because – so after last night's nine walks, they now lead the league in walks per nine innings. They were behind the Reds and White Sox going into last night. The difference is the Reds and White Sox are both in the top seven and strikeouts per nine innings for their pitching staff. So you don't – you never want the walks. But when you've got at least pace stuff or swing and miss stuff that guys might uh, – you know, hitters might – escape the zone and swing at because your stuff is that good, then you can excuse the walks a little bit more because if you're outside the strike zone, you still might get a swing at it. The Royals don't have swing and miss stuff. They're dead last in strikeouts. And so the combo of being first in walks and last in strikeouts, and I, I started to go through this this morning, and it's just it's, it's a long exercise, so I haven't made it through, but just trying to see the last time a team was first in walks and last in strikeouts because usually – there is some correlation between walks and strikeouts for the reason I mentioned. There's sort of that effect of wildness. And the Royals are, you know, at the wrong end of the spectrum on both. And that is just very unusual. And so that's something that, that Cal Eldred has to be asking. Why is my staff not able to throw strikes? But they don't have incredible stuff. They're not throwing 100 miles an hour. There's less and less excuse for the Royals not to throw strikes than really any team in baseball. And, and they're, they're like I said, they're, they're very dead last. And we've talked about this too, but it it is interesting to me that at spring training, this was all you heard about, the importance of first pitch, you know, getting ahead sure. in the count, et cetera. I mean, clearly it was a point of emphasis, which is there's a disconnect, obviously, between execution and emphasis. Also, I want to note that alert viewer uh, Peter Gradoff pointed out that that was actually the man with two brains, not the jerk. I guess it was just the jerk saying it. Well done. Also, uh, shout out to Lee. Um, all right, here we come, World Series. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're not eliminated yet, but um, 20 and 40 is the record right now. So a little tough uphill climb for the Royals if they want to get back into contention. What about what about the inexperience and the youth of the pitching staff, Sam? How much can we uh, use that as a as an explainer for what's what's going on? We're talking about a, a rotation right now of what Singer, Bubich, Heasley, uh, Lynch, and I guess Zach Greinke's gonna he's gonna get his start. Uh, we're gonna see him again soon. But you know, four of those guys were the 2018 draft class uh, pitchers, so. Um, very little major league experience. And uh, so is, is that a reason why it, it's happening? Yeah. I mean, I think that that contributes to it, but the alarming piece of it um, is that the, the young pitchers don't seem to be getting better. And I think that when you have a young pitcher, it's more of an excuse to struggle out of the gate, but it's less of an excuse to show no improvement because there theoretically should be more room for improvement for a guy that, that hasn't, you know, I mean, Daniel Lynch and Bubich and Singer have all been in the majors before. It's not like these guys are complete rookies. And I understand they don't have a ton of stars, but to me, that's a reason that they should be showing some improvement. 
And so it's it's more alarming that a guy like Daniel Lynch seemed to have something figured out through seven starts, and he's just completely gone off the deep end over his last five. I think his last five starts, he has like an 8.3 ERA. Maybe it's the last six. And his first six, he was at 3.3. And, you know, I mean, Brad Keller, we, we never throw Brad Keller in the group of being young, even though he's only a year older than this whole draft class. But he's got tons of experience, of course, and his ERA through like seven starts was one and one and a half, and it's been over seven, you know, for the last the last six seven starts, and so I, I think it's really alarming that the the guys seem to be getting progressively worse, and, and that that's what you know Vahe referenced it, but prompted me to look up these guys' stats when they initially come up, and you know you've got seven pitchers that have come up from Omaha at some point this season. Their ERA combined is under one. It's under a half. They've given up one run in 19 innings. Their second, their second appearance combined, it's three and a half. Third and beyond, it's almost six. So there's some sort of disconnect where the guys are, are getting progressively worse after they arrive in Kansas City. And like I said, I mean I keep using the exact same word, but I just I think it's an alarming trend that the Royal Staff is going. Well, and one <clears throat> recent exception to the rule is Jonathan Heasley was was outstanding in his last start on Friday, the first Royals game that I covered this year. He was he was tremendous. Um, didn't seven innings, no runs, no walks, seven strikeouts, and this followed two quality starts for him. He didn't get a win in either of the previous starts. He had gave up three runs and. It was three runs in six innings, which qualifies as a quality start. But he was outstanding on, on Friday night. And it's, I don't think he goes tonight. I think it's Bubich tonight and then Heasley again on, um, on, on Wednesday. So I'll be really curious to see how he follows up what was, I think, the best start by a Royals pitcher this year in that Friday night game. So um, he, was, uh, he was a bulldog in that game, had about three – three or four full counts and ended up getting the, you know, getting the strike on, you know, and so not giving up a base on balls. And Hey, before we leave pitching, I just, uh, maybe it's the, just the crusty old baseball person in me, but walks, which, you know, Royals hitters don't take, or, you know, at least in the last few years, I guess they're, they've improved in that department here recently but uh, walks issued by the pitchers are damaging on so many levels. We just talk about, you know, what you're doing is, you know, giving up base runners with the walks, but at the same time, you're running up your pitch count, which means you're taxing your bullpen and your defense is back on its heels now because you're not throwing strikes and batters aren't putting the ball in play. And, and the Royals, I, I read this, um, Gabe Kapler, the, 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 the Giants manager said, Hey, you know, last night we were at our best because we were we showed a lot of plate discipline. It seems like the Royals are running into all, you know, every team shows all this plate discipline. They don't get any swings and misses. So, no, that's my base on balls rant for you. I'm Blair, sorry. What's the, what's the common denominator, Blair? It's a <laughs> Blair. I think there's something more to the um, what you mentioned about the fielding too, because. The Royals are second to last also in pitches per inning. And I think there's something to um, the mentality of a, of a team that is in the field a lot. And then they're briefly back in the dugout. And they're in the field a lot. And, of course, it's, it's the chicken and the egg argument. The lineup could 
be in, in the dugout quite a bit, and then maybe it helps the pitching. But I think there's some some reverse stuff going on there. And I also just think there's some psychology. You know, I always – I think the three of us that, that are around these guys all the time, we sense the mentality and component to the game. I think when you only watch the games on TV, maybe it just becomes a numbers game for you. But there, there's a real thing to a team that is 20 and 40 that's down two to nothing after the first inning. And I wonder how much that affects the performance over the final nine. And that's not like a, a, a commentary on the effort, but it's a real thing. I mean, these guys are human beings. And when you're 20 and 40, you probably don't have a lot of confidence going into the game. You're down 2 nothing after the first inning or on Sunday, 5 nothing midway through the second. And I think that absolutely affects the rest of the game. Listen, I, I just want to add to that really quickly, Sam, it, you know, couple of the times we've been over there recently even after they won a game just circulating the clubhouse a little bit you got the feeling that that win didn't do a lot for them like the the, the one night in particular was kind of like yeah we won a game and and I don't mean to imply it's not there's a big difference between that and giving up it's just a mindset uh, a kind of you know default mindset that that comes into play when these things just keep piling on top of each other. And, you know, I, I had hoped when they won the three in a row that maybe they could extend that to four out of five or something to that effect where you, then you get enough traction that you can flip the mindset a little bit, but they, they just haven't had enough of that to have that prevail. Yeah. <clears throat> I want to talk about that three in a row, a uh, little winning streak they had over the weekend. We'll do that after we take a break and hear from the University of Kansas Health System. March 4th, 2015, I got out of the shower and felt a lump in my left breast. We were able to quickly uncover that she had two subtypes of breast cancer, each of them requiring separate and unique treatment plans. This is why you come to the University of Kansas Cancer Center. It is critical to be treated by a team of experts in that specific cancer type. If you don't start with us, I think you'll have more questions than answers. Why would you go anywhere else? Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Back on Sportsbeat Live, talking Royals with Sam McDowell and Vahe Gregorian. And with you, send us your questions and comments. We'll talk Royals with you. Yeah, as we said before the break, the Royals won three straight. I can remember on this show last week, uh, you know, boldly predicting that the Royals would uh, have a successful week. And I was feeling pretty good about that on Friday night as I was leaving the press box. They had, um, at that point, they'd lost that game last Tuesday night, but had won the next three and thought, here we go. And looking good doing it. Of course, they've lost three straight to, you know, to, to follow their three game win, winning streak. But in the, you know, in the winning streak, they, they hit the ball extremely well. They scored at least seven runs 
each game for the first time uh, doing that, uh, at least seven runs in three straight games, first time since 2019. And on Friday before the game, we got a chance to talk with the new hitting coach, Alex Zumwalt, and impressive guy, didn't say much, didn't didn't provide a whole lot of insight, but um, but it was just good to just good to talk to him and, and get some thoughts. And there's there's absolutely no disputing that the numbers have improved under him. When he took over on May 16th, the Royals were hitting 225 as a team. I got their splits here. They were 225 as batting average, 290, 336, 626 OPS. In the whatever it is, number of games since then, 20, 28, maybe something like that. Batting average 255, and then a 315, 406 slash for a 722 slugging percentage. They're hitting the ball better. And players like Michael A. Taylor, even Salvi, who's been a little bit of a mini slump here, was had some quality at bats. And uh, you can go down the list. The, the, the only player really who hasn't taken advantage of the new uh, hitting instructor seems to be Andrew Benintendi, who's fallen below 300 for the first time all season, I believe. It's two, 297 batting average. So what do we make of this? Um, what, what are we seeing? Like I mentioned earlier, we, as we, we spent so much time before the break talking about base on balls, the Royals are walking a little bit more, a few more base runners, and hitting with runners in scoring position. Yeah, I think Blair, they're just they're just taking better at bats, which was the or plate appearances, I guess I should say, because I mean that was kind of the whole point of, of making this change. And they're to your point, they're thirteenth in walks in baseball since Alex Zumwalt took over, and they're thirteenth in runs. And so I mean this I, this in, is kind in, of in, hang on, in baseball, not the American League. Yeah, in baseball, yeah. So they're above average in both of those stats. I mean, I, I, this was kind of the the production I anticipated from the Royals this year was somewhere in the middle of the pack. And you thought that, you know, if, if the rotation and bullpen could be somewhere in the middle of the pack, then we're talking about a team that's going to win 75 to 80 games. And so now the lineup, since this change, has, has done its part. And I know this prompts a lot of people to say, why not make the same change pitching coach that you did with the hitting coach because of the turnaround you've seen with the hitting. I do think that when they switched the hitting coach, it switched philosophies. You know, the, a lot of the old school hitting coaches, Terry Bradshaw included, are more of these swing doctor type hitting coaches. Alex Zumwalt's style of, of and it, he's, you know, is still the plan to make him return to his old role to where he's influencing all the minor leagues and the professional. Uh, or a, and the, the the major league team, and the philosophy there is if guys can get to the major leagues, their swing is there's something right about their swing. You don't need to make everybody this this robotic have the same swing, but the point of it is here's where you hit the ball really well. Here's the pitches you need to be swinging at. Here's here's how to identify those pitches from this particular pitcher on this night, and so it was a philosophical change when they made the change at hitting coach at pitching. They have a lot of the philosophies they want in place. And, you know, I, I definitely think you can make the argument that Cal Eldridge can bring more out of the pitchers they have. I don't think it would represent the same philosophical change, you know, for, for the entire organization, but it's, it's been a philosophical change at hitting and 
the, it's the it's the new age. It's what most teams are doing. And, and Blair, you read off the stats, and I've just added a couple. It's it's made a difference. Sam, just to just to sort of ask you a question about that, but also echo your point. We we know that I guess it was twenty twenty that Alex Zumwalt was put into this position, and so it's been a couple of years now where the overall organizational approach has been philosophically different and it was not getting through with Terry Bradshaw up here. That's basically the reason for the change. What's interesting to me, and I, I can't answer this, is to what degree they've made philosophical changes in the approach to developing pitching over these last couple of years. Obviously they've adjusted over the years. They've done some things differently, I'm certain, but I don't know of any tangible change that way. And it, it, it this has the feel of if they determine or others determine for them that they've got a fundamental flaw in how they develop pitching. That's a, that's an overhaul, not a, not a change of a couple personnel. Yeah. So they, they have the, the same sort of system in place. And I think you can make the argument they're playing catch up with it um, to some other teams that implemented it sooner, but Paul Gibson runs, you know, their, their pitching performance uh, for the, for the same time frame that Alex Zumwalt has been running the hitting and you know, it's it's so easy to compare pitching to hitting because it's the two most important aspects of the game. There's there's just a lot of differences between hitting and pitching, um, and then what I, the philosophical element to it. And you know, sometimes with 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 pitching, you know, I mean, it is a lot of mechanics. It's repeating mechanics. And I think with the Royals, you're seeing a lot of guys who do not repeat their mechanics consistently. Um, but it's also you know, pitch tunneling, pitch pitch mapping. There's just there's a lot of analytics that go into it that the Royals are doing. Um, I think you've seen that with Jackson Coar's fastball back in the minor leagues. They've identified some stuff with Scott Barlow. Um, and there's some other guys. As, I mean, everybody gets gets information uh, of, of that variety throughout a season. Um, but, look, I mean, un undoubtedly they're not getting the same results that, that the hitting has been getting because – it's not just the major leagues, like I mentioned with Alec. I, I think you saw a lot of minor leaguers in the Royal system turn around some pretty poor trajectory for a year. You know, MJ Melendez hit under 200 for a year. Then he led the league in minor, led the minor leagues in home runs last year. So I think you've seen some guys at those levels, some important development years, turn it around that, you know, we probably don't have the same sort of examples on the pitching side yet. Zumwalt gets a lot of credit for the Melendez um, turnaround as well at, um, at the minor at the minor league level. Okay, hey, did you know it's Bobby Witt's birthday? He is 22 years old today. 22. He's the youngest player on the Royals, and in the game that I covered on Friday, I saw him hit a ball about as hard as I think I've ever seen a ball hit. And then you know, it didn't get out of the park. It wasn't a home run. But it one hop the fence in left center field and he turned it into a triple. That wasn't a triple ball. I mean, it got to the fence so quickly. It's not the kind of ball that you see. Um, you know, that's it's an easy double, it's a stand up double. He turned it into a hustle triple. I was so impressed with his, you know, just his base running, his power right there. He is such an impressive baseball player. And we got a little bit of audio from from Bobby. This is from Saturday's game where he did homer and was three for five. He's got his batting average up over 240, which is terrific after the start that he had. 
and leads a team with 31 RBIs and uh, one behind Salvi in home runs. Bobby Witt has eight. So let's let's hear a little bit from Bobby Witt. This is after the Saturday game uh, against the loss to the against the Orioles at Kaufman. Offensively, do you feel like um, you've gotten more comfortable just in terms of like game planning for pitchers and things like that as you've gone on the season? Here? Yeah, and just seeing more guys, seeing teams twice, seeing them again. It's just really facing these guys the rest of my career. So I think it's just, it makes it kind of more fun because they're going to try to pitch you differently and then you got to game plan differently. And so it's, this is whenever it kind of gets set. One v one match, and so it's it's always fun to be able to game plan against guys you kind of played against already. You feel like you you sort of like that like that aspect, the cat and mouse aspect of it. Oh yeah, that's what I think baseball is. That's what it is. It's you versus the pitcher, and then you got your team to back you up, and so you got to just do your job, and you know you know that the rest of the teams are going to do their job as well. A lot of times you hear you know that as. You know, pitchers see a guy that, you know, they have a better idea of, you know, how to attack him, how to face him. You feel like maybe it's um, the, the opposite doesn't get uh, mentioned as much, like, you know, hitters having a, a better idea of what they're going to get from a pitcher? Yeah, a little bit. It just kind of goes with what type of stuff they have. And just the more and more I think you face, the more and more, obviously, I think you're going to get comfortable. With your swing, how much, I don't know, has it felt the same way you're going different Yeah, I think it's pretty much just been the same, just seeing more and more bats and just kind of going, going through it and doing it. That home run, I think you were sure you were trying to get two pitches before and come out the same spot and you were able to get a little better contact on it. Were you really looking for that? Um, yeah, I was just hoping to be on time with the fastball, so whenever I'm on time with the fastball, then I'm able to kind of catch that out front, so that's kind of what, what happened. Now. Has that been a big focus for you, the fastball? And you? <laughs> yeah, I, I just think that if you're on time with that, you can hit anything. And so that's kind of how it's been. Obviously, you guys were able to, you know, still get the, the tying run to the plate in the eighth and the ninth. What was the vibe early on? I mean, you guys had a pretty big hole. I think it was seven runs at one point. Yeah, just always trying to get the next guy to keep going, pitch by pitch, and have that by a bat. But everyone do their job and just go out there and just enjoy and try to come back and compete. Okay, just wanted to hear a little uh, Bobby Wood Jr. Uh, like I said, turns 22 today. He's one of those players where you know when I when I see the Royals coming up to bat and he's he's coming up, I make sure I pay attention. Um, there are some players you you know that that are like that through the history of the game, really uh, that you just couldn't wait to see what they're going to do with their next at bat. He still chases some sliders off the plate, but. He's he, when he's locked in, man, he hits the ball hard. And uh, I, his upside is tremendous. Blair, he's been obviously really fun to watch already. I feel exactly like you do with even with sort of the crumbling all around. Uh, I, every chance I get to see one of his at bats, I, I really try to make sure I, I do. Uh, I am a little puzzled about the soundtrack behind him. Uh, do you think it was one of those things where some wise guy uh, was playing money uh, on his behalf? Because it reminded me of when Dustin Colquitt in the Chiefs locker room would queue up fight songs for uh, whatever school a guy went to when he was being interviewed. I couldn't quite tell what the backdrop was there. I think there's a little bit of a story to tell when it comes to clubhouse and locker room music. And <laughs> Vahe, I think you are the one to tell that story. <laughs> 
Well, I will note that uh, chatted with Whit Merrifield about the couple changes he's made in his walk-up songs lately. Uh, he was going back to the 80s and now back to the 60s, I think, with Tequila was the last thing. He, there was some uh, some issue with how many hits were in, in, in each of these walk-up songs, so I'm glad to see he's staying on the case. It is all about the hits that are in a walk-up song. You know, if you're slumping a little bit, you change it up, that's for sure. So. All right, guys, I'm going to rest the pipes and, uh, and, and, and call it a day. Big thanks to Sam McDowell, Vahe Gregorian, and our producer, Monty Davis. Thanks to the University of Kansas Health System for their sponsorship. And thanks to you for, for tuning in and, uh, and then being a good audience like you are every single week. We'll do it again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Lynn Worthy will be here, and so will Vahe and Sam. Until then... We'll talk to you later. That'll do it for today. Thanks to Monty Davis for producing the podcast and the live stream and to the Sportsbeat KC staff of Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Shout out to our sponsor, the University of Kansas Health System, and a tip of the cap to Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell for sharing their insights. Morning Sports Edition provided a full account of the Royals' loss last night in San Francisco plus all of baseball's happenings, and there was complete coverage of the NBA Finals Game 5, also in San Francisco, plus much more in sports. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another edition of Sportsbeat KC.